Back in the 1930s, a British fellow named Alfred Bird, a chemist with an interest in food and organic chemistry, decided to tackle the problem of eggs. His wife, Elizabeth, was allergic to eggs, which rendered her unable to enjoy one of the top-rated culinary delights of the Victorian era, custard. Alfred developed an egg-free dessert that relied on cornstarch, some flavorings, and some colorings to achieve a dessert that looked and tasted rather like a custard. In fact, it was so passable, it was accidentally served to egg-eating guests at dinner. The guests were said to have enjoyed it so much that Alfred thought maybe he would be able to sell this special mix. He patented it and began to sell his eggless, convenient, custard-like dessert mix as Bird's Custard, and it's been selling ever since. You see, custard was expensive. I mean, some recipes call for a dozen eggs. It's labor-intensive. You have to separate the eggs, and you can only use the yolk, which means you need to find something to do with a dozen egg whites in the next day. And it takes a long, careful cooking time. Custard easily turns lumpy or is over- or undercooked. Birds, on the other hand, is cheap, easy to make, and it stores for ages in the pantry. It is, in a word, a convenience food. My, how it took off. I'm Tamara McNeil, and this is She Eats Rations. Well, 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 look who's here. I haven't seen you in many a year. If I, I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Baked a cake, baked a cake. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Hot you do, hot you do, hot you do. Had you dropped me a letter, I'd have hired a band. Bird's custards may be one of the first convenience foods. It is dehydrated for easy storage, has key expensive ingredients substituted out in favor of cheaper ones, and it's designed to be faster, cheaper, and, well, more convenient than the original product. But it's certainly not the only convenience food on the market. Convenience foods so often developed to solve a problem, like Mrs. Bird's desire for an eggless custard, will wind up doing a lot more than just one thing. Take, for example, the problem of too much molasses. That was the problem facing John D. Duff in the winter of 1929. With far too much molasses to sell in a conventional way, and with prohibition preventing him from turning his excess molasses into rum, he ran a few experiments and finally found a way to dehydrate the molasses. This was no small thing, and Duff was nothing if not a businessman. The next year, he filed for a patent for his invention. And not a new way to dry the molasses, but how to use it once it was dried. A gingerbread cookie mix. The mix was an instant hit, and immediately tampered with by inventive cooks who were suffering during the Depression. The fact is, if an important event is going on, say it's Granny's birthday, you want to have a cake. If you're living in a Depression and every payday is uncertain, rather than buying a whole sack of flour and 10 pounds of sugar and a dozen eggs, you're probably just going to buy a cookie mix from the grocery store, add a few different ingredients, and make a passable ginger cake. That's what people did. And Duff, being no dummy, was quick to capitalize on that. The ingredients to make a cake mix have been around for a long time. Powdered eggs have been around since the Victorian era, and we've had flour somewhere in the neighborhood of 10,000 years, give or take. All Duff did, effectively, was add a flavoring agent and take out the effort. See, early sponge cakes weren't just fussy and expensive, they were a lot of work, the mixing in particular. We tend to forget about this because we have electricity everywhere. But back then, if you wanted a light and fluffy cake in the 1930s, and even up to the 70s in rural parts, you couldn't just plug in your electric beaters. You beat those eggs by hand, with hand beaters if you had them, and with a whisk if you didn't. Recipes from those days don't call for two minutes on high. They call for 400 strokes, all the while scraping the bowl as you beat. I have a set of hand beaters, and I can tell you, that would be a hell of a lot of work. Plus, we have to remember that most women weren't just making cakes all day long. They were working hard. 
They were cleaning and cooking, and they were doing all of the sewing for the families. A lot of that was probably done by hand. RSIs were almost certainly rampant among housewives. In fact, in my frayed and yellowed December 19th, 1963 edition of the Canadian Family Herald, there's a whole special section on making cakes that don't require beating. Without access to these specialized recipes, making a light fluffy cake would simply have been impossible for a lot of women. I have a hunch this is where the modern notion of being a cake person or a pie person comes into being. If you needed to bring a sweet to a party, or the church bazaar, and you had tendonitis, you would probably be taking a pie. Or, A.D., that's after Duff, you'd be making something from a cake mix. Duff's baking mixes took off. None of them sold as well as the devil's food cake and the spice cake mixes, though he did do nut breads and cookie mixes too. In fact, cake mixes remained a hit all through the Depression. In the war, cake mixes like Duff's began to disappear again as rationing came into effect and some factories were converted to war work. After the war, though, the cake mix returned. And boy, had it changed. More about that after the break. Put another candle on my birthday cake. We're gonna bake a birthday cake. Put another candle on my birthday cake. I'm another year old today. I'm gonna have a party with my birthday cake. Come on and take some birthday cake. Put another candle on my birthday cake. I'm another year old today. Hey friends, just a quick interruption here to send a shout out to sponsors Colleen, Teresa, David, and Nikki, who've backed the show in person and on Patreon and are delightfully excited about all of this. You guys are swell. I also wanted to say a million billion thanks to Jason Dethridge, who's doing the sound editing and mixing and all those things that make me sound like I'm recording in an actual for real studio and not in the closet in my bedroom of my apartment. I really am recording in there. The clothes help dampen the echo. He's doing all that, and he's doing it for free. And that's one heck of an undertaking. I'm profoundly grateful. So many thanks again to Colleen, Teresa, David, Nikki, and Jason, friends of the podcast. And if you want to be a friend of the podcast too, you can. Just check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tam McNeil. That's T-A-M-M-A-C-N-E-I-L. Or come talk to me. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those places. Now, back to the history of the cake mix. I'm another year old today. I'm going to have a party with my birthday cake. Come on and take... After the break, we were talking about the pre-war cake mix, which was just an add water and bung in the oven kind of affair. But after the water, some clever soul decided it would be better to take the powdered egg out of the mix and have people add their own eggs. Actually, it was Duff again. That other guy, Ditcher, who you may have heard of, came on the scene in the 1950s. He did work for Betty Crocker, but he wasn't the first to recommend changing powdered egg for fresh. There were a number of reasons they made this change. First of all, dehydrated eggs aren't exactly delicious. They tend to leave behind a slightly chemical residue on the tongue, which definitely affects the enjoyment of the cake. Plus, we were post-war now, and that meant that most people had been eating mostly, if not exclusively, powdered egg for years, and people were tired of it. Fresh eggs were abundant and cheap again, too. Second, plenty of women were still working. The GIs were home, yes, and the workforce was shifting back to a mostly men workforce, but plenty of men who'd gone overseas came back in boxes, or they came back unable to work. And plenty of women who'd spent their formative years in the workforce had learned to love financial freedom. If pop culture has taught us anything, it's that women didn't work in the 1950s. And while it's true that the majority of women stayed home, there is a substantial minority who did work. In fact, according to the U.S. Board of Labor Statistics, one in three women worked outside the home in 1950. That's a lot of women. Rationally, we know that. 
There are the female professions, as they're often called, nursing, librarianship, teaching, administration, things like that. Those jobs continued to be female-dominated into the 50s and 60s when they expanded to include early computer programming, debugging, and stewardessing. Collectively, we seem to forget all those women were out there, working out of their homes 40 hours a week. In the 1950s and 60s, it was women in the 16 to 24 and 39 to 44 age bracket who worked the most. That is, women who were outside the childbearing and full-time childcare years. So plenty of women were starting to experience what came to be called the double shift of work for pay and then housework. All the housekeeping demands that had traditionally been made on women remained, but now there were demands of a workday as well. This squeezed women, and they, in turn, embraced convenience food, including the cake mix. I'm told sales records show that cake mixes really took off in the post-war period, although I'm not sure where you would find that data or who's in possession of it. The fact is, cake mixes became so popular after the war that people will tell you that's when the cake mix was invented. It's not true. What is true is that the cake mix was more readily available, what with the post-war food infrastructure, and there was more call for it. Some say it's because the post-war cake required fresh eggs, which was a change that eased women's collective psychological guilt about not being able to bake an actual cake from scratch. I'm honestly not convinced. I mean, I think there's something to that. After all, eggs are one of those strange alchemical and somewhat mystical ingredients that can transform and be transformed in baking. And I think observing the transformative process is one of the great pleasures of baking. But I don't think the cake mix's sudden popularity is all about neurotic women clutching pearls at the grocery store. Yes, people liked to bake, and yes, cakes are socially important as festival or special occasion food, and yes, there's some cachet to saying, I baked it myself, even today. It's an expression of personal skill and dedication to the event, and it's a class marker that indicates leisure time and disposable income. But honestly, I think it comes down to something more basic— Powdered eggs taste terrible. In the UK and in the colonies, we had been eating powdered egg for a long, long time. So had the soldiers who'd been eating rations for far longer than their civilian counterparts. That taste is pretty distinctive, and no one wants a birthday cake that reminds them of huddling in a shell hole in the middle of December. So my personal opinion is that the cake mix took off after the war because women were damn busy, and fresh eggs make the cake taste better, and women felt better about baking with them. Frankly, Convenience food as a whole, everything from frozen pizza to boxed macaroni and cheese, really takes off in the post-war period. It's no surprise cake mixes are among them. In preparation for this podcast, I watched a lot of commercials on YouTube. Maybe it's my sample size, or maybe it's actually representative of cake mix buying market. But the commercials, I think, are fantastically illustrative. Fire up YouTube and have a look at a few cake mix commercials from the US, Canada, or Great Britain from the 1950s. They're mostly taken up with matronly white women standing in kitchens while they explain what a cake mix actually does. In the 1960s, commercials become 30-second stories about how much better the modern cake mix is now than it used to be. And this is a theme that continues into the 1990s. They also talk about how much better they are than your cake. This is primarily achieved by showing husbands complaining about their wives' cakes, wives confiding in their friends, their friends providing their secret... Wives trying the new cake on their husbands, and the husbands being happy. Basically, the message of the cake mix has gone from, here's a time saver, to, your cake is terrible, try ours. In the 1970s, we have what I've come to think of as the moistness wars. If I'm honest, I find the cake mix manufacturer's obsession with the word moist a little off-putting. 
I personally don't think of moist as a food word. To me, it's a word that calls to mind the days before mold sets in. But I guess it helps sell the cakes because they use it a lot. And by the 1980s, Betty Crocker took the nuclear option and trademarked super moist, which, again, doesn't appeal to me. And I grew up in the 1980s. Anyway, by the mid-80s, we're still being sold cakes by being told it will make other people happy. In fact, according to my YouTube sampling, by the 1980s, women hardly appear in cake mix commercials at all. They might be shown in a single shop, maybe lifting a child into the air or spreading frosting on a cake. They are almost never the ones eating the cake. The cakes, though? They do remain geared to the female consumer, with an emphasis on making them for other people. Make a party from a box, proclaims one advertisement, showing a doting mother throwing a party for her daughter. In another advertisement, a mother and young daughter present a cake to dad while a warm female voice warbles, Bake someone happy. Cake mixes may be for the convenience of women, but they are certainly not for them to enjoy. And that's more or less how it goes from the 80s on. There are lots of ads in which harried women pull parties out of their rear ends because they use a cake mix. Or ads with little girls making cakes for other people and not eating them either, except maybe getting a cheeky taste of the icing before they present it to someone else. The only time there are men and boys in the commercials is when they're commenting on the cake that's being served. Honestly, I find it all pretty disturbing, the way the same themes remain embedded in how we sell cake mixes. The marketing gist of the cake mix hasn't changed. The premise is that women work hard, but are still expected to deliver home-baked cake on festival occasions. So they reach for the cake mix, and that helps them make a party from a box. Their reward? Is it a forkful of super-moist yellow marble cake? Heck no, their reward is the praise of the men in their lives. It's troubling, to say the least. One final thing before we wrap up the cake mix episode. My friend Mel, who grew up in a large family that ran along roughly traditional lines with a breadwinner father and a stay-at-home mother, told me this story. She was in her late teens and had moved into her first apartment. In the grocery store, during her first ever unsupervised grocery run, she was struck by a delightful idea. Nobody could tell her not to have whatever she wanted to have. And at that moment, she wanted cake batter. So she bought a cake mix, took it home, and made it up without the eggs. And then she sat down on the couch, and she ate the entire thing. That was the last cake mix she ever bought. If I That's it for me today. Thanks again for tuning in to She Eats Rations. One more shout-out to the sponsors for this episode, Colleen, Teresa, David, and Nikki. Thank you so much for supporting me on Patreon and slinging ideas for episodes on Twitter. I really appreciate it. That's all for me today. I'm Tamara McNeil, and you can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, all those places. Or you can reach out to me at tamthewriter at gmail.com if you want. That's great. The theme music is If I Knew You Were Coming, I'd Have Baked a Cake, sung by Eileen Barton. And technical production is by the wonderful Jason Dethridge. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. Hired a fan. Goodness sake, if I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. How'd you do? How'd you do? How'd you do?